Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, the show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Colette Cooper. Hello, Colette. Richard, I love your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I love I that love you. you. Have, I love you. I love you have a podcast. Well, it's very exciting. It's about time. Exactly, You're brilliant. Exactly. Thanks for having me, Richard. I love it. No trouble, of course. I've been waiting. <laughs> so, um, Colette is an actor and musician and also an amazing netball player. Oh, I love you got that bit. <laughs> and I'm going to ask... What are three things that make you smile? Exactly what you said. Acting, singing, making music and netball. And and Billy and my partner, Mike. You don't know if you've met Mike. That's five things, but that's good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, definitely. They're my three major passions. Of course. So I want to talk about how we know each other, obviously through you coming into clinic and through me treating your smile and through other friends and um, me also coming to your gigs and your shows and things like that. It was very organic, wasn't it? It's quite a few years back now. Definitely. I came in to, uh, it was, I think Nick Ede, who was doing your PR at the time, um, contacted me and said, uh, we'd love you to go meet Dr. Richards and he's going to give you complimentary bleach, whiten, sorry, whiten. And um, I went to meet you and then uh, you made my smile very white and cheerful and lovely. But most of all, I just fell in love with you. Yeah, and we exactly. became we great friends. friends. Ever since. And you'd come to my gigs. You came to like, you think you'd been to like the jazz cafe. You'd been to piano bar. Yeah, yeah. Grouch. Hung out at your place. Yeah, <laughs> been to my place. You know, it's brilliant. So tell me about your singing career in general. Um, how did that start? Had you always been interested in music or was it something that... Uh, came about at a later point, you know? And... Well, I've always sang, uh, just like growing up, because my parents used to sing, my brother sings, so I'd sing, you know, just for just for fun. And what happened when I was, as an actor, in between jobs, I thought, well, what can I do to earn money? I thought, oh, okay, I'll do a bit of singing. And when I was at college, I used to do, I used to busk with my friend and just to make, you know, some cash. So I'd always sang, but I never really took it seriously. I just used to do it. And I sang, um, I used to do the great American songbook. So I'd do jazz and work with really great musicians. And we'd, you know, do all the usual jazz clubs around London. And then eventually I, I kind of grew tired of that. And I thought, you know, this is not exactly what I want to do. I can do that when I'm older. I want to create my own music. And so I took it more seriously. And I kind of then left the acting a little bit on the back burner and focused on music and started to write music, even though acting, I always kind of went back to it periodically. But that was my main focus was the music. I started to make my own music and record and um, work with great musicians. And it's influenced my major major influence, my main influence is um, blues and jazz. I'd say, you know, I'm a blues singer. Mm. I touch bass on jazz and I think eventually I'd like to do a really cool jazz album when I'm older. But for now, I just want to focus on to just doing what I like to do and just basically doing my own thing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really like to be put into any particular box. Mm-hmm. You know, and people always say to me, oh, you're a jazz singer. Well, I've, I've got the obvious jazz, 
vocals in terms of sound. You know, it's they, they sound like I sound like I have jazz vocals, and I do, but I don't, and I do touch touch bass on jazz chords and stuff. But I I'd never say I was a jazz singer at this stage. I have done jazz, but I'd like to just think that I'm just doing my own thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I've seen you do lots of different types of gigs. You know, yeah. obviously like some that are very jazz based but some that have yeah, a blues. bit more blues yeah, yeah and yeah. and bands and orchestras and, yeah you know so um yeah and obviously you have an amazing voice and <laughs> thanks, fantastic Rich. outfits as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you Richard I always like to get you to sing don't I when I come into the clinic oh, gosh. I've got some great videos <laughs> that's what I do you know guys I get Richard to sing and his exactly. assistant I try I try this is not going to be my second career <laughs> <laughs> so um tell us about your show about Janis Joplin yeah. um tomorrow maybe my last obviously um I've seen kind of the uh Well you came show. to the you came to the first reading of it back um at the very beginning of 2020 pre-covid. So whilst doing like lots of gigs, you know, around the jazz venues, um and all other great venues like the 100 Club and uh, the, the, at the 100 Club, it was a guy who came up to me was a West End producer and, and suggested that I should do something in the West End or I should, you know, I should play. I was always told I was Janis Joplin um, channeling Edith Piaf or Edith Piaf channeling Janis, jo Janis Joplin, whichever. But and, and actually, neither of those artists were my they weren't my influences. And um, although, yeah, great compliments, but. I was a, at the time, I think, why do people keep saying that? I never really... My dad used to love Edith Piaf, and I love Edith Piaf. I only play it around the house, so maybe subconsciously she was an influence. I don't know, but I can see where they're coming from in terms of the drama of the performance. But really, I just thought, mm, OK, my, why don't I play some... Why don't I... I thought, I'm not going to play Edith Piaf because I'd have to learn all that bloody French. <laughs> and I'm a bit lazy. I don't want to do that. And so I thought, well, maybe I could play Janis Joplin. So I started to do a lot of research on her because I didn't really know that much about her. Obviously, I knew of her and I knew some songs like Peace in My Heart and Bobby McGee, but I, I mm. didn't like really know that much about her. So I, anyway, I did all my research and I started writing a story about her. And then, as you know, we, we did. So I started back in 2019 and it's quite eerie how it's parallel to today mm. you really you can see all the likenesses of what's happening today mm -hmm. and what happened back in the 60s so anyway i we we did the read through as you know and then we went into lockdown so we didn't sort of continue and then until we decided to to put it on on a, a small fringe theater um, to half the capacity because we still had, you know, big COVID rules in place. Uh, the theatres had just opened after being being in lockdown and uh, for, you know, all year. The theatres had just opened and we were one of the first plays out there. And it is a play. It's based on her life story and it's with lots of, driven by music. So, but it's a lot of audience participation and um, you feel like you're at a rock concert at times because it's set in a festival, in a Woodstock Vibe festival, as well as her backstage dressing room. And 
she tells the story of her life, her ups and downs, and how you know how it was hard growing up in Texas with segregation, mm. you know, and also she got really, really bullied, you know, about um, not agreeing with segregation, mm. and also because she. She did, She wasn't very pretty or she felt she wasn't very pretty. They used to call her fat, ugly Janis Joplin. Of course, she wasn't. She was attractive and curvaceous, but she felt very unattractive. And, you know, it led her to drink too much, take heroin, you know, and ultimately die mm. from a heroin overdose. So it's, a, it's you know, it's all about her turmoils of growing up and the struggles and being a woman, struggling being a woman back in that decade and being a front woman, a singer, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, it really was a bit of a man's world, right, Richard? Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously um, she was part of the 27... And uh, she was part of the 27 Club, yeah. As well, yeah. Yeah, and she's not greatly known in the UK mm -hmm. or Europe, really. Um, but what I love about performing the play, so when we did it back then, the first time, we did it at a small little fringe theatre. Um, we did a short run. And then we did it again in a little small theatre in the West End at the Century Club. They have their own little theatre. And then we did it again at the Union Theatre and it was sold out shows. And what I loved about it, because people who came to see it, not everyone knew about Janis Joplin. You no, don't have no. to be a fan of Janis Joplin to just really enjoy this woman's story. Yeah, yeah. You know, the As you said, everybody knows some, certain songs. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. So um, when people come up afterwards, come up to me afterwards and say that was great because we'd never, we'd never heard of Janis Joplin, and and you you've just basically told us this story about this great woman, and now we're going to go and buy her music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. we've introduced. Discover more. Yeah, thank you for introducing this great artist to us, and so. Um, but yeah, it's great. I really get a kick out of performing it. It's really hard work. It's like a marathon because, let me tell you, Janis Joplin could not play Janis Joplin every night because it is exhilarating. Mm. And people, yeah, should definitely come and see it because, as I say, you don't have to be a fan of Janis Joplin. Just come and see the show and understand what a what you know what it was like to be a woman back in the sixties, being a rock star, being a woman as a rock star back in the sixties, and what she had to fight for. Definitely. And, you know, and as you say, like it's got lots of issues that would kind of resonate with everybody. You know? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. There's lots. Tell us about your latest album, Lost. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, I released that over a year ago now, mm -hmm. December the 4th, uh, not over a year, well, it is, yeah, just a year, and it's called Lost, and I, it's a collection of songs that I had that I put together on an album for Nordiff Robbins. Um, I'm an ambassador for Nordiff Robbins, and of course, like every other charity, um, they're, they're really suffering, and they've lost over half of their funding. Over 50% of their funding they've lost. So as an ambassador, I wanted to do something to help because I really believe in this charity. Nord of Robbins is such an incredible charity. So it's a music therapy charity. It's the biggest one in the UK. And it's fantastic. You've got Nile Rogers as a patron, you know, Rod Stewart's an ambassador. They've got all these great ambassadors and they just do such great work. So I wanted to help anyway, you know, I could. So I thought I'd put this album together and release it to raise funds and awareness for Nord of Robbins. And it's on vinyl as well. We've got a special edition, edition vinyls. And it was recorded at a great little studio in Angel, which is no longer there, and also at Maidavell. And it was recorded directly onto tape. Um, 
in a, in a live session. We just did it one take, live session, directly onto tape, just like Elvis did back in the day, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a nice little album. It's quite, um, I think it has an eclectic sound of blues and jazz and there's um, has some even sort of, guess, cabaret tones over it as well. And, um, yeah. Very it's nice. nice. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You like yeah. It? Obviously, I've listened to. Yeah. You know, um, it's got great radio play, and it's you know it had, is, it's had it great is. reviews, and you know, so it's it's good, and it's good if we can raise, you know, money for such a great charity. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about netball and this sport. And why, <laughs> oh my god, I could talk. Why about do you that play one. netball? <laughs> well, Richard, have you seen my bottom? That's why I play netball. Um, well, I've been playing netball since literally since I was at infant school. Played netball since I was at infant school. Um, played, you know, on the school team and then at high school. And then I played for the county um, and then just kept on playing. And then even when I went to New Zealand, I discovered indoor netball, which is slightly different, slightly different markings on the court and um, surrounded by nets, and it's called indoor nets. So I discovered that, and you played mixed netball, so I could play with the guys. The guys play netball over in New Zealand, uh -huh. and they are incredible. So I literally played, at, uh, back in New Zealand, literally nearly every single night I'd go down and play, not just one game, but probably 10 games all night. It's such an addiction. I mean, it's better than, you know, heroin, isn't it? You know, <laughs> Well, definitely better than that. <laughs> it's better than that. So, and you know. It's right in netball that um, once you get the ball, um, you can't move. Um, you can you can kind of pass or you, if you want to shoot, you can't really move around. Yeah, it's not like basketball where you can sort of, it's way more skillful, I think, mm -hmm. than basketball. And I have played basketball and I much prefer netball. It's more skillful because you yes when you land so that when you land the the foot that you land on if you you can't if you pick that foot back up you can't put it back down if you still have the ball so when you're infants they teach you how to pivet mm -hmm. you see and it's when you put your foot down and, you <laughs> and then you can turn. pivot around and you can't lift that foot up and it, it that's how it, you learn it, it. but as you get older and you start playing for really good teams and you're playing for the county, you, there's real it skills. Second nature. Yeah, it's a real skill with your with the footwork. The way you can pivot and yeah, well, you don't pivot. That's the whole thing. Okay, you don't pivot. You don't pivot. That all changes, but that's how got they it, teach it, you when it, you first start. It. It's it's a way of explaining how how those skill sets work. So it looks like you're running with the ball at times, but you're actually not because you're releasing the ball before you put your landing foot back down, down. Got, so it, got it got sometimes it. it looks like you could be running so sometimes you're on one leg well yeah or oh, your legs in the air oh your legs in the air um you know but it's definitely a very 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 skillful game yeah and i've played it all my life um there was a time when i didn't play netball um when my dad passed away and i went off the rails a little bit but and that's what kept me that's actually what got me back to Back to sanity was yeah. my netball, really, as well, as well as music. Netball did definitely help because I woke up one morning and thought, what am I doing? You know, I need to get back on that netball court. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I could play every night if I could. Yeah, well, we talk a lot about um, on this podcast about fitness and the importance of yeah. that. And, you know, for you, that's the way to, to bring it in. And it, it's such an important thing to it keep. It is so fun. important. I mean, whatever sport you want to play, just just play it especially you know team sports great because 
it's just great mental interaction as well. Mm. And um, what I love about netball, you know, some people meditate and that's great. But when you're in that game for an hour, it is very meditative. You know, mm. you, you all you're in your, the zone. You're in the zone. That's all you forget. Everything else, you forget all your troubles. You forget about everything. You, all your focus is about that game. Got Netball's it, a it. game of chess as got well. It. You've got to think five passes ahead of you. Yeah. So yeah. it's really... It's it a, kind of gets you planning in your head. Yeah, it's a little bit like tennis in a way, where, got you it. know, you're really sort of planning you ahead. What the next phase are. And it's great because you feel... After I get, it doesn't matter how I feel. If I'm feeling really low or down or I'm fed up or if I go and have a game of netball, it changes me immediately, just as it would if I put a really good song on that I love, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it does. It's amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Got to play netball. <laughs> we all got to play. Let's have a game. <laughs> well, we've all got to play. That's my motto. <laughs> Let's talk the, about the importance of being physically fit for singing and performing. So yeah. how does that help, you know, to kind of keep... Absolutely. Because, I, as you know, you've heard me sing and, um, you know, my, my lung capacity has to be the best it can be mm-hmm. because I have to belt those... You know, and I'm only five foot two, but <laughs> with I, a massive voice. With a massive voice, but that's because I've kept fit all my life, right? So, yeah. um, for for me, um, um, how I look after my voice is obviously, don't drink too much. You know, a bit of red wine here and there's fine. Definitely don't smoke. That's not good. Steaming, steaming the vocals, eating the right foods, sleep is so important for vocalists, mm-hmm. like so important. But for me, running and swimming. It keeps my lung capacity um, strong. Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, so if I've got a big gig coming up, I'll make sure that week I'm doing lots of swimming, lots of running, and mm. I just feel really, ah! Anyway, that was shit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to burst into song. <laughs> Sorry about that, I like that, guys. it, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, great. So let's talk about also the importance of diet and yeah. that kind of leads on to being vegan or, yeah. and, you know, and those, well, those I, kind of yeah, exactly. Well, again, I think I see my art as an athlete would see, you know, being, you know, a, a runner or a swimmer or, 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 you know, a footballer or a netballer, or whatever. I see it that I have to be an athlete or athlete mentality if I'm going to do the best shows I can do, especially playing Janis Joplin. I have to be super fit because it literally is a marathon. And um, I have done a few marathons in the past and half marathons and triathlons and all those things. And I think I've had, because I've always done it growing up, I think your muscles have memories. So I've always been fit all my life. And I think that really does help. But that doesn't mean to say you can't start fitness at any age because you can. You can start at any age and get really fit. But it's super important mentally for me. If I don't keep fit physically, my mental health deteriorates and everything else deteriorates. You know, so in terms of doing my work, I have to be super fit. So my diet has to be good as well. I am vegan, but which doesn't mean to say that you have to be vegan to be fit because I know lots of, you know, meat eaters who are very fit, as you do. But for me, it's the way my digestive system works. My my digestion is can be sluggish and I just found, you know, being vegan, it just really 
it just really helps with that. And I've been vegan for many, many years. I start. I gave up dairy food when I was younger, um, very early teens, like 12, 13 or whatever, because I used to suffer with really bad earache. And my dad always gave me this sock with salt in it and warm it up and put it on my ear. I don't know if that helped, but anyway. So uh, <laughs> some old wives' tales. So, and I don't I, think it helped. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 the do- and the doctors, they didn't really know. You know, at that time, the doctors were like, oh, here's some eardrops, here's some antibiotics. And I kind of did the research myself without the internet. We didn't have the internet then. So um, I'd go to a libraries and I'd do the research myself. And then I just found... That dairy food was just very mucus forming. And to find that out at an early age, we know that now, you know, because when I was being vegan, the word vegan didn't exist, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, or people certainly didn't shout it around. There was no vegan on the menu, you know. You didn't go into a restaurant. Like, I've got friends now who are vegan. They've been vegan for a few years, and they go, I'm vegan. You know, when I was growing up, I had to go to a restaurant and say, oh, um, can I have that, please, but without the sausage? Can I have that, please, without the cheese? You'd never go... I'm vegan or vegetarian, especially coming up, coming from Manchester, being working class. You just wouldn't. You'd get laughed at. So, uh, so I gave up dairy food because of those, um, because I was suffering with bad ears and my tubings or whatever. It was obviously causing mucus. And then I became vegetarian. So I kind of, you know, naturally, inevitably became um, a vegan. And so I was just speaking, and when I was in New Zealand, what was amazing, so when I went to New Zealand to work, um, we were just talking about that, weren't we, when I was in New Zealand, off, 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 uh, oh, off, off record, <laughs> off the podcast, and I went to New Zealand um, to do some film and TV, and I couldn't believe it, they had dairy-free ice cream at the cinemas. Mm-hmm. They had a gym on every corner. They had all these health shops that, we just didn't have in London at that time. Maybe we had a sporadic one somewhere. We weren't inundated with gyms and health shops and juices. But New Zealand were really, really ahead of time when it came to health because mm-hmm. everyone was doing triathlons. Everybody was healthy or it seemed to be really fit. They were quite behind in terms of TV. I think they had two TV channels or something like that. Because it's so often an outdoor society, right? Yeah, yeah, it's right. such an outdoor... Uh, I mean, it really is outdoorsy. In yeah, the yeah, and yeah. so I um, I couldn't believe I discovered this dairy-free ice cream made from soya, and, um, and I had soya milk for the first time because I, when I was in England, the, the, you couldn't get things like that. You know, I had to drink tea without milk. I'd have cornflakes with hot water on them because there was no they didn't have a substitute at that time here so anyway now as you know yeah now we soy have milk, everything everything milks yeah 100 <laughs> milks and now there's you know vegan everywhere vegan everywhere vegan now but i still don't go in restaurants and go i'm a vegan you know i don't do that but i'm a real animal lover and i um i just you know i just can't bear the thought of killing animals to eat, Richard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and it would help the world if exactly. we all became vegan, exactly. you know, we'd, we'd save the planet a little bit more. We would. We it's would. more sustainable, as we've realised and worked out. And, um, yeah. And it makes you feel better. <laughs> I think it really does. I I do. I think it does, definitely. 
So oh, it's been proven actually. Mm-hmm. I've just someone told me actually the other day, it's actually been proven with sports people that they're they're better performance if they're vegan. Yeah. Did you read about it? Yeah, that? there is a show, you know, um, uh, which is called Game Changers. Game Changers. Yeah. That's it. Someone told me to watch Game Changers. I haven't watched it yet, but I will. But apparently it's proven now. Well, there we go. That's there why go. I'm that's why I'm 32 still <laughs> playing netball, build on 32, 32 plus fat. But anyway. So um tell me about um Billy and also staying fit by um walking mm. Billy on the heath and um who is Billy? <laughs> Billy is our little doggy, uh, literally our little baby, my little baby, who's now four. He's a Parson Russell Terrier. And I'm honestly, Richard, he's everything to me. He's amazing. He's psychic. He is so smart. He, oh, he's, and what I mean, he really is psychic. He, he just knows everything, how, what you're feeling and thinking. And he's just incredibly smart and intuitive and just in tune with you. And he's the most beautiful little dog. He's like a Disney dog. <laughs> um, I mean, I've had dogs growing up and, you know, I've had uh, collies, Labradors. Um, when I was in, And what type oh, of dog is Billy? He's a Parson Russell Terrier. Um, what's the ones like? Uh, wolf, what are they called? Oh, like... Uh... German Shepherds or Husky? Dogs. Huskies, yeah. And, and all those dogs are really beautiful, but they're not that smart, you know. And Billy is so smart. He's so human-like. And, he, yeah, he's a, he's a Parson Russell Terrier. So he looks like a, a Jack Russell, but not quite. He's got really long legs. And he's, he's a Disney dog because he's just so handsome. He's so beautiful. I mean, everybody... And very happy as well. He is the happiest dog. <laughs> he is not happy right now. Because oh, he's, he's left at home on his own, which we rarely do. And he's only going to be a couple of hours. And he needs that. It's good for him. But he's got his relaxer pet on. You know, it's this little siren things. You can't hear it. It's one of those, what are they called? Tone things. That, what are they called? When they set off oh, yeah. signals, yeah, yeah, silent yeah, yeah, signals yeah. that relaxes him. So it's really good. Um, he's so spoiled. I mean, he has a bed in every room, okay. you know, with furs and cashmere blankets. He has a wardrobe of clothes. <laughs> well, I don't have children, right? So, you know, he got a he, he's, he's, he's my child. But you know, he's incredible. And obviously, I um, we went to the pub together. Yeah, exactly. Know. He comes to the Oh, my God. <laughs> the Richard. Pub. He loves the pub. That's probably where he thinks we've gone to the pub without him. That's in, why he's mad. <laughs> yeah. In the mornings, when we took, as uh, my partner would say, we'd go left to the heath because we live right on the heath, which is amazing. And he loves it. And at night, if especially at this time now, around Christmas, we take a right to the pub. If we just decide to take him out, in the afternoon to go wherever he will force to go right and wants to run to the pub he's he just loves our local pub he just sits there he loves it i don't know what he loves about and it's it it's got the outside garden it's got there. the outside garden he's sniffing around you know we might take him there actually he feels at home one. he does yeah it's a home yeah. from home home from home <laughs> so tell me about your future plans what would you like to do in the future obviously with the show um uh, Janice is still coming up and what other uh, plans do you have in terms of music and, and I do actually so my plan is to um, take Janice further mm-hmm. and it's it's growing and growing um, and I think event you know the idea is to get it a good six weeks run in the West End 
Um, I don't think I'd take it further after this year. I think this is kind of the one year I want to just blast it and go wild on it. And I'd like to record a new album and um, alongside that and work with some incredible people. I've made a list, a wish list. And then after that, so record, record an album maybe alongside of the play. And we recorded an original song of the play called Tomorrow Maybe My Last, um, which has been played on the radio already, which is oh great on the last run. And I think then I'd like to do maybe um, next year do a jazz album with some great musicians. And then I think eventually I want to play Miss Marple. All right. <laughs> That's a curveball in there. No, I've been watching. I've been like caning Miss Marple on Netflix. But obviously, that's ages away because I'm yeah. years and years. But that I keep thinking, I think when I'm like an old lady, I'd like to play Miss Marple. Like a detective. Yeah, I think I'd like to be a detective. But first of all, I've got to be a big, you know, carry on being the uh, big blues jazz diva that I am, right, Richard? Definitely. So, well, it's interesting um, how the Janice role is quite different. To so the, different. To the, to the well, jazz. well, it's funny you say that because I now actually sing as you know um lower you know um and she has got a soprano voice mm. you know she's she's got a husky voice like me and it's powerful like me but she's got a yeah, lot some higher range quite high yeah yeah definitely um and i've had to learn really to get that high stretch the range of i have yeah now. yeah i've had to and which has been really good as well because it's 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 made my own vocals now more versatile. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really enjoying singing those high, high notes. But as I say, I've got to make sure I've got lots of sleep and look after myself because it's tough. They're, they're tough songs to sing, you know. Definitely, she's, definitely. She's, she's, um, she's got she's amazing big boots songs to step into. And, um, as you said, like, it's a really interesting how she was kind of progressive at that time. Totally. Those, but at the same time, obviously she was troubled and, yes. and kind of like working through those yeah. issues. Yeah, well, absolutely, because she she was the first queen of rock. At that time, you had all the other amazing vocalists, like but like Sandy Shaw, like um, Dusty Springfield. And with, they'd have a certain style and a certain dress. They'd all look very pretty with the hair all done. And then you get this literally rock chick. You know, she was a rock chick. No makeup. Her hair wasn't done. She was unkept. There was nobody like her mm -hmm. at that time. And also, um, it's interesting how you kind of like focusing on how she overcome her inner self-doubt. And she's yes. got those, yeah. you know, voices speaking to yeah. her. And she's kind of trying to think no i can do it you know i am this this rock queen but at the same time she's still that little girl from and, texas but it's good you know? it, and are you thinking this because of when you watch the play yes so yeah so that's <laughs> great that's good that it's interesting to know that you you're, you're really getting the story that's good um yeah she did have very she was very troubled and she had a lot of inner inner self-doubt and turmoil but she came alive on stage that's what made her happy mm. and validated you know validated her being on that stage with the adoration and and that's she became she could really express and be herself on that stage and she had no inhibitions on that stage mm. when she was on that stage she, she you know really came to life didn't she and you know off stage if she didn't drink she could be painfully shy she really could be painfully shy and i think also that's why she drank as well but um yeah 
It's Absolutely, incredible she, talent. Incredible. Yeah, incredible, yeah. incredible. And yeah, she was very, very different. Yeah. To, she was very, very different from the her peers, you know, the other singers around at that time. She was very, very different. And she was one in a million. And she was the first lady queen of rock. And even that, that short time, she left all those songs behind, which, you know, yeah. people know and remember. That's and... right. And uh, Chris Christopherson, you know, wrote the... Um, Bobby McGee specifically for her, and she just brought that song to life, didn't she? I mean, what she does with that song. And I have to... Obviously the Mercedes-Benz song. (laughs) Oh, the Mercedes-Benz song that she wrote. Um, I have to really, you know, I've got... I I work really hard on it because I want to do her justice because it's a hard role to do. Yeah, I did think that you really were becoming her, you know. You kind of, like, did that more than just to... Yeah, I did. I mean, I did. I mean, I... I put, I put a few pounds on because she was lovely and voluptuous and, you know, I'm a bit skinnier. And um, so I put the weight on, as you can see, and I grew my hair, lightened it. I even sort of trimmed little things like my eyelashes and stuff. I tried to be as much as, a, as her as possible. And I did feel that she... she um, it was like an exorcist. She's come to me, yeah. you know, because it's one time. It's like a bit of method acting. For oh yeah, I'm definitely method. But <laughs> when I'm this one particular song, I think it is Bobby McGee, and it's it happened to me twice. Only happened to me twice, and I, I swear to you, I'm singing, and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm being taken over by her, mm. and it gets to, and it's bizarre. I'm having an outer body experience, and I'm going, oh my god. And it feel like she's really there singing, and it's actually not me. I, I honestly, I swear, you can ask the producers. I've actually, I, I had to say that. Now it's like something really weird happened to me. It only happened. It's only happened twice to me. Wow, that's um, brilliant. So maybe it's her way of saying, either you're not doing a good job, let me get in here and do it better, <laughs> or I'm really proud that you're doing this. Thank you. You know. And she probably told you to go and have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but she's yeah, she's great fun to play. But I do really feel like I mean I have to embody her, you know. And something about the sixties as well. That's oh, such yeah. an interesting time. Imagine what so, it must have been like in a, you know, those festivals. Oh well, it, it must it, have been. What's like... well, what's funny now when when you know when we talk about all that freedom they had because we we don't have yeah. that freedom anymore. Very interesting. We yeah. don't have that freedom. Uh-huh. And at that time, it's when they first had all that freedom they came transitioned from the 50s which was quite restricted Mm. and then all of a sudden they had all this freedom Mm. you know not just sexually but just everything just everything yeah yeah. i feel like we're a little bit in the 50s do you it's interesting isn't it how you'd think that we'd get more free over time but yeah well we have we did but i feel now we're kind of in the 50s do you <laughs> well hopefully there's another 60s to well, come well that's what then. i'm thinking <laughs> that'll be the next bit <laughs> we'll both be there <laughs> yeah we will celebrating <laughs> i know exactly that's what we're looking for amazing thanks for joining me colette oh darling always i love it a bit always thank you so much i've been waiting on? for you to come on i've been waiting for you to come on this is the moment that it happened i perfect did rub it on a bit though, perfect time no this is perfect this is what we want it's a podcast someone <laughs> has to rub it on and talk yeah <laughs> um you can follow her on at colette cooper and links to her and where to buy loss will be in the show notes and we'll also put something about northwest robbie as well um and thanks for listening if you like today's shows 
please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. And for more about me and my clinic, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard Underscore or visit DrRichardLondon.com. The Dr. Richard podcast is a pop people production. It was recorded at Spiritland Studios and the music is by Delhi Music. And we will see you next time. Oh,